Isse Radio 89.7 FM. This is Arts Monday Simpoesi streaming to you from the Gadigal land of the Eora Nation. And the track that we just heard is from the band from Kiev called Daka Braka. Well worth checking out. And I'm currently on call to Australian Chilean dance artist Gabriela Green Ola, who is about to take part in the March Dance Festival, developing a dance research project called Kaye, which looks at dance as protest and asks how can the artistic value in dance as protest be foregrounded from a non Western perspective? Gabriela, do we have you on the line? Hi, yes. Hi. Good morning. Where are you calling us from this morning? I'm actually in Fairfield on the lands of the Cabrigal people of the Darug Nation, which is actually quite a significant site, Fairfield. A lot of Chileans live here. So it's got a big Chilean population and, and a lot that came out when my grandparents did and, and mother in mm. the 70s. Mm. We will shortly talk more about your background and um, as a Chilean artist, you have become inspired in this particular body of work that you are developing as part of the March Dance. And I would like to jump straight into it. Uh, the work is called Kaye and it looks at dance as protest. So uh, one curiosity I have is obviously how did you come to this work? You just mentioned that you have Ch- Chilean background and your parents and your grandparents uh, migrated to Australia as a consequence of the regime. So I'm assuming that sparked your interest. And as you answer that question, I would also love if you could unpack what you mean by dance as protest. Do you mean that movements that we find in protest are almost choreographic because it is bodies in space? Or are you looking at dance as protest in a sense that when we dance, we are in a state of resistance to oppression? Yeah, so I mean, My practice has always been really inspired by my cultural heritage. So my grandfather, he is an artist as well, and he's a sculptor. And he was a part of the new Chilean song movement, which was this movement in the 70s where artists were sort of leading social change through song and dance and different mediums. And, yeah, so they obviously exiled during the Pinochet dictatorships, but, you know, art has always been at the forefront of our family and as a way of being political and something my grandfather told me, he told me that, you know, art's the thing that allows him to think and feel and to be um, and be free. So that's always been kind of at the core of my being and, and the reason why I have been so supported to be an artist and always had my family and my history driving me. Mm. And in terms of this work, there was this uprising that happened in Chile in October in 2019 where the students were protesting against rising fares of the metro. However, it was kind of like the tip of the iceberg. There was uh, so many um, issues and inequalities and difficulties on the ground there that, you know, this kind of rising of the fare just tipped it and it kind of created these huge movements of protests which then you know, kind of had a backlash from the government in a state of emergency, which saw, you know, the military and the police out in big numbers. And this moment was really incredible because the stories that I had heard, you know, my mother and my grandparents go through that I'd never experienced and the kind of horrors. And 
it was almost like it was repeating again and you know there was lots of video footage and mm. um because I have a lot of family over there you know I was getting quite instant um and friends you know quite instant videos and footage and photos of stuff that was happening and I had this feeling in my body and you know and this is kind of where I've been really interested in in my practice is this body that's always sort of removed because of social injustices so I often work with this idea of the body holds memory and holds trauma mm. so through my body I'm able to connect with the stories of my grandparents that you know I wasn't present at and in this way you know I was feeling such strong senses in my body because it was happening to my people and my homeland and it had such a deep historical connection to me as well so I felt in that case that I needed to respond and so at the time it was kind of COVID sort of happened and I started developing a work called Living Body Memory with this artist Oscar Poncel and he, the Chilean, as well with same story. He kind of came out as a kid. His parents came out and he grew up in Australia and we began just chatting online and started to unpack this and what this is. And then, yeah, I decided to take it further and develop Kaya because as a result of those protests, I started to see that there was a lot of creative stuff happening in these protests which has always been a big part of Chile like arts and creative practices so a part of their society and it doesn't separate so I you know I got really inspired by two artists in Chile Claudia Musamea who was a dance teacher when I took classes over there of mine and my cousin Francisca mm. Escobar and Francisca was doing more kind of online video things in the COVID where Claudia was out on the streets creating these sort of dance actions with people that were responding to some of the violence that was put onto people. So, yeah, I was just so inspired by what was happening over there. And, and you know, it was a crazy time, COVID, and there was a big pull, to, you know, with Black Lives Matter as well. Like there was a lot of stuff happening here and I felt there was a call for action and for artistic practice to kind of take more of an an active role and, and be more political than it has been in the past. And so I kind of just thought, well, you know, Chile's doing it so well and I have a connection there. Why don't I try and do this research project that I can do here and sort of explore how I can share some of those stories and, and ways of working here with the communities that I have, you know, that I share a mm. home with mm. Yeah. And uh, you have mentioned Claudia and Francisca, and I can see them listed as your collaborators on this project with two other names that I can see here. Are these the same people that you're mentioning, Claudia and Francisca? Yeah, so they're two of the collaborators that are based in Santiago in Chile. Mm-hmm. And the other two, who is Koti and Kayla, they are based here in Sydney as well. So Kayla is Brazilian background. And Koti has Argentinian background. And I think they're both two artists that I was working with just in other sort of dance work. Mm-hmm. And, you know, as this things were unfolding, they were just kind of people that really understood the situation over there because, you know, the similar things happened in all the countries of Latin America. And so we were able to find a space where we all kind of understood 
where things were coming from. Mm. And how does this cross-continental collaboration work in practice? And what kind of things are you developing through this work? Are you uh, looking at creating a performance here using some of the elements from Claudia's work? Or are you recreating these movements that you found on streets during protests in Chile? Yeah, taking a, a lot of different forms. I mean, it was kind of a perfect time to develop it in COVID because we spent a lot of time the five of us just doing kind of Zoom catch-ups and not really structured on anything. It was more just like sharing practice and sharing exercises and just talking and sharing stories about what was happening in different countries and, and what's happened in other countries as well and, and histories. And then so as the development's been going, we've kind of been creating lots of little bits and pieces. So we've made two films which were part of Juxta, which was supported by... Bankstown Art Centre, but also a range of other different supporters. And yeah, that we were meant to have a show in the Sydney Festival, which we pulled out of. Mm-hmm. Um, but there was films and those films kind of have take part in the process as well. And um, there's some recordings of footage of Claudia's dance movements. And I've been sort of recreating them in the body, but also, you know, through chalk drawing. So it's a kind of a kind of mixed media sort of thing. And I, and I think as the work develops, I think it's going to be less of a linear sort of, you know, sit down and watch a performance because ultimately one of the biggest things that I'm interested in is this thing as dance is activism. And mm-hmm. in a way it has to be activism. And, you know, I, I know what you're saying, like dancing is naturally activism because, you know, we're telling a story and, and even as a, you know, a person of colour, you know, on an Australian stage is already an act of, mm-hmm. of activism. But I think, I'm trying to find what it is in this work and and how is the work actually making the people that experience it inspired and almost a call to action and what kind of journey am I taking the audience on, Mm -hmm. you know, understanding that they don't have that connection that that I or my collaborators have. So, you know, trying to not make it like, oh, just have a look at what's sort of happening on another side of the world. Mm -hmm. It's sort of saying, look what's happening, but also how can we use this to sort of find a kind of more globalised political community through the arts. Mm. Yeah, when uh, I spoke to you earlier about this work, you have mentioned this involvement of the audience in the process. And I wasn't sure at the time whether it means that when eventually this uh, work takes shape as a performance, whether the audience will be invited on stage with you or what kind of active participation are you looking at developing? And I love that you said that it's a way to develop or achieve solidarity through this kind of work. And so I'm basically curious, how does it actually uh, work in practice or how will it work in practice, this activation or inclusion of the audience? Yeah, so I've had a few little kind of, practices at doing it so I first developed this work through PACT in Erskineville as a resident artist there last year and I had a showing and we kind of explored a few of these different modes and you know participatory social practice is really key in my history of work and I think it's I don't know it's like my way of inviting audiences to experience the work through their bodies I mean often dance can do that but I think sometimes if it's something that's not super, um, you know, something that's a bit foreign or a bit, you know, not seen as much in these sort of landscapes, then I think it does take that extra bit of support. And so we started exploring it through a few different ways, but one of the ways was preparing the audience through tactile exploration. 
What does this look like? like? So like, you know, we would kind of get people to, it was a kind of pose like people would step onto two feet that were chalked on the ground as if they were, you know, getting a pat down at an airport. Mm. And then Cotty and Kayla would pat them down, but it actually would be a really, you know, a really gentle sort of pat down that was a way of kind of waking up the body and, and turning on their senses and, and kind of holding people and putting a bit of care and love into the audience. And then as the work progressed, people then were kind of put into more, um, you know, were given different tasks. Like, you know, they were given chalk and they were invited to draw a, a chalk body around my body that was on the ground. They were kind of placed in different positions so they could view a sequence I was doing that was kind of caged up, you know, above. And so they kind of had a different view. And it wasn't all audience. I think something that is really important for me is that it's done with consent and that people people have to want to be a part of it. Mm. And in that, there's an interesting place as well because I think people, you know, some people might not want to join at the start because, you know, for whatever reasons, it could just be they hate, you know, mm. they hate participatory work. But I think the idea is that people can then get a sense of it's okay to sit back or come forward and just kind of feel that feeling that we feel often in movements mm-hmm. around the world where mm-hmm. we're like, do I go forward? Do I sit back? You know, how far do I go? And, and I think recreating that feeling is, is has a lot of power. Mm. Yeah, I'm really responding to this um, words that you're bringing up as recreating feeling or being in the body and reminding people what it's like to be in the body. And it's uh, just so telling of the times that we live in where we are not in our bodies. So to come back in our bodies is in itself a form of protest. And that's maybe what I was uh, kind of alluding to when I said that to dance these days, especially now, you know, after a year or two years when we weren't basically allowed to dance. So to dance is a way of um, getting out of the oppression and resisting the oppression in itself and and being in the body, as you're saying, just stepping into those sensations. Um, I know that you have mentioned also how as a woman of color being on a stage in Australia as a dancer is in itself also a form of protest and resistance. And I'm aware that part of your work is uh, advocating inclusion in dance and working to open the dance space for inclusivity. One thing you mentioned is bodies of color. What kind of other inclusivities are we talking about when we are opening this space? Yeah, well, I mean, on that kind of idea, I think, you know, there's a huge movement now to see more diverse stories um, on stages. And, you know, it's it's actually really beautiful for me because, you know, a lot of the time growing up, I never saw any sort of Latin American work. And I've often had to look over what's happening over there to kind of get those stories. But the, th- the truth is there's a lot of Latin American people and we're all really creative. So for me, Gaia was about creating that space and finding my community because I actually didn't know any Latin American artists you know and I wasn't working with any because I was you know in these other spaces so for me that was a big part of it was about trying to find the people and build a community and support each other so that's really key and it's been great because the dancers that I'm working with we're able to feed into each other's work and we're already starting to build a community like Cotty just created She's also doing a march dance conversation with culturally diverse artists Mm -hmm. and also she's created a sort of Facebook group for Latin American artists. So I think there's definitely a move to connect. And then, yeah, in terms of inclusion beyond that, 
prior to this sort of work where I've been really able to step into my cultural identity, my way of belonging as an artist was to connect with other different people because, you know, I felt more connected in a space where everyone's different, you know, as opposed to a space where I'm the only one that's different. So a lot of my work in the lead up to this, I have, I work a lot with, you know, with artists with disability and in particular, I work quite closely with a person, Holly Craig, and Imogen Yang. So Holly Craig, they are a um, performance maker, dance maker, and Imogen is an audio describer. And we have worked together for a number of years. And a lot of those processes have really informed my practice, you know, in kind of ways that I didn't even realise would be so relevant, you know, crossing between, you know, cultural diversity and different bodies and disability. And there is a really beautiful crossover and connection. And in this work in particular, I um, so Holly was able to experience a showing of the work at PACT last year through Imogen, through audio description. Mm. And, you know, as part of that experience, Imogen and I chatted beforehand and I, I gave Imogen some, um, so there's these seven poses of protest that Claudia developed and it's a, it's a kind of live active work in the streets and people go through these positions that sort of tell a story about what's happened and, you know, as part of that, Claudia gave me a, a sheet that had written out words of the poses, but also like real life accounts of the dancers performing it. So there's this really great document that I was given, um, which I then shared bits and pieces with Imogen, who then put that into her audio description that was given to Holly. And afterwards, I didn't really realise, but after the fact, I was like, wow, you know, Holly, they got a really different experience of this protest and something that's actually quite interesting because you know you can just I can just mimic movements but but dance isn't just movements you know it's not just like a pose and you know if I just do a pose it often doesn't communicate what it is because people don't have the context and so by actually exploring dance being delivered through other modes like through listening which invites you know to experience dance in all the other ways, it's not just sight and, and the physical shape, then it actually allows for more nuances of the stories that I wanted to share. So I thought that was really beautiful. And, and part of March Dance, I'll be working with Holly and Imogen a bit on that sort of audio description in a kind of creative context in ways of trying to share these stories even more and, and connecting people um, in a deeper way. Mm. So March Dance and Critical Part will be your opportunity to develop this project further. Is there already a plan or a date when the audience might be able to experience it? Yeah, I mean, I I had a, as I said before, I had a showing just recently in November at Pact, which had a really big turnout, which was awesome. And it was great. Like, it got me to really push the work into a sort of, you know, presentation sort of vibe. Mm. Um which, which put a lot of questions out. So I think for this residency, I'm really interested in, in a more kind of quiet space and, and really developing with a few different key artists. But, you know, as I said, it's a really, like my process is super collaborative and it's all about social engagement. So I think I, you know, on the last day, on the Friday, I might open up, like have a more kind of open studio idea. Mm-hmm. Um, so less of a kind of performance, but more of an invite to people to come in and be a part of it and to test some of these sort of ideas and share a bit of the process in that way. Hmm. 
Thank you, Gabriella, for joining us this morning. I think we have covered just enough to tease the appetite of, of those listening. And if uh, you would like to find out more about Gabriella Green Oleus work called Kaya, you can go to March Dance website, which is marchdance.com. You are on ISA Radio 89.7 FM. This is Arts Monday Symposis. And I will uh, take a short music break with you now. And then after we come back, we'll be in conversation with another dance artist who is taking part in the March Dance Festival. Her name is Patricia Wood. And we will talk about her project Trish and Trisha, which looks at telepathy, transmission and friendship with late postmodern dancer and choreographer Trisha Brown. Stay tuned to Isad Radio 89.7 FM Nunca sé cómo se parte una canción Pero sé que despertó la gente Se cargó más de la cuenta esta cuestión La traición viene del presidente Un estudiante Torniquete, cerrar el metro, pico a la gente, prenderle fuego a lo que vende, así aparecen los delincuentes. Un millón protesta en mano. 